following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. Thank you, Kelsey. Let's pray together. Father, that really um, is our prayer. Father, that you would um, manifest your presence in this room at this time amongst these people in a way that would be uh, so remarkable that uh, we couldn't have been here and not remarked that something extraordinary happened. Uh, Father, we would uh, plead with you uh, to hear our prayer, to answer us. We thank you that you do. That you would incline your ear toward us is, is a remarkable thing in itself. Thank you, Father, for giving us life through the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would continue to show your power in and through us in your church. As the song said, create a hunger in us for your ways and a hunger in us for your word. Feed us, Father, from your word. Renew us, revive us, put a deep passion in us for you alone. Father, I pray that we wouldn't look for joy or satisfaction in anything else other than you and in the good gifts that you give us always acknowledging these things as having come from you. And so bless uh, the time that we're going to spend together now in your word. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Morning, church. Morning, Jenna did a great job, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's start with this. Lean on me when you're not strong. Come on, don't leave me up here. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. It won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. All right. That was good. That was good. Well, you know, um, that's a great song, isn't it? And, uh, you know, Bill Withers um, uh, sang that song and it became such a classic and so great. And if we look at just kind of the first part of what we uh, sang in that chorus, Um, It could be an invitation from the Holy Spirit to us. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. And I, I think part of the reason why that song resonates so deeply with us is because there isn't a person in the room who spent any time at all traveling on this earth who hasn't needed to lean on someone at some point. Am I preaching to the right room? Like we've needed to lean on someone because we've gone through something where we felt like our strength was ebbing away. We had the need. We felt the pain. We were uh, deeply suffering. We were weary. We were uh, consumed, burdened by grief. We needed someone to lean on. 
And so we're in the midst of this series where we're trying to discover more about this third person of the Trinity that we call the Holy Spirit, that the Scriptures has told us, this is the Holy Spirit of God. The one that was pointed out to us already was sent by God the Father who dwells in inapproachable light. The Son, Jesus Christ, who sits at His right hand, promised us before He left this earth and went to glory that He would send another, we're going to look at the verse today, a helper who would come and would fill us and indwell us. And what we're going to hear from the Word today as we continue our series is that the Spirit is someone we can lean on. Someone who is there to support us at times where we feel like we're not going to be able to stand any longer. That our legs are buckling underneath us. That our knees are weak. We can't take another step. And the Holy Spirit is in us to support us, to hold us up, to make us strong. And I believe that you and I could use some of that today. And so that's what we're going to look at. As we examine the Word today, the Holy Spirit, we're going to get right at it. I've already prayed. The Holy Spirit works to support me by first of all indwelling me. The Holy Spirit works to support me, first of all, by indwelling me. My God is near me. Say that with me. My God is near me. In fact, so near, because it's kind of crazy to say that He indwells me, and then to make this statement, He's near me. He's so near me. He's in me. He indwells my very life. Now, last week we spoke about, just so if you're new here this week um, to this series, last week we spoke about the Holy Spirit's work in salvation, His work to save us, and we talked about uh, the Holy Spirit's work to convict us, to convince us of our sinfulness and the separation between us and God. Uh, That was the bad news part of the good news. And then how the Holy Spirit um, regenerates us, bringing us back to life, how He baptized us in Him, Himself at salvation and how he then sealed us officially with God's own stamp on the envelope, sealed us for all eternity as the sons and daughters of God, putting his own name on us. Now, that's all pretty awesome. That's all um, true of you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and found the forgiveness of your sins and come into a relationship with God. If that's happened to you, then everything we talked about last week, it was that one-time event when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, That's the past work of the Holy Spirit for you. And that work done, our spirit prepared, the spirit now takes up residence inside of us. Now, the deal is that that the Holy Spirit couldn't move into just any house. He's not moving into some ramshackled, broken down, uh, dirty, filled with all kinds of garbage, just a disaster of a home. He can't move into that home. And the reality is that for you and I, before we came into faith in Christ, before we came to that, we were the ultimate fixer-upper. And God couldn't move into that house until the blood of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the cross, the power of His resurrection, until that was applied to us and we were in salvation. Listen, now I love this part of salvation. 
Because how many people struggled with a sin issue just in the past seven days since we were last together? Just raise your hand. The rest of you just lied and now you do have a sin issue that you can confess, right? So, um, so we're still kind of working it out. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're still seeking to be like Jesus Christ. But the cool part about this is that at the time of salvation, God actually declared us to be righteous. You see, it's as if God looks at us and sees the finished product, the house renovated, swept clean, made perfect for the dwelling place of God. We are positionally already saved, already in the heavens. Love that. Do you love that? That that, that nothing's going to take that away from me. And so, in a very real sense, though we still struggle with our sin and feel like our house isn't prepared for God and He shouldn't be living in me and I still wrestle with temptation and all of that, God sees it very differently. Your house is prepared by the book. Not a righteousness of your own, but the righteousness that comes from God. And see, and so on that basis then, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside of those who have found that. It's amazing. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You know that in this series we're going to be working through many different passages. Not the normal thing that we do, but uh, verses are all going to be up on the screen for you. Or you can flip there. I'll check these out later. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Here's what we see in uh, Holy Spirit indwelling us. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, if, if in fact... The Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And so I've already said that this is, this is all applicable to those who have already come into faith in Christ, but uh, maybe you're here today and that is not your deal and you, you haven't uh, gotten into the relationship with Christ. You haven't found the forgiveness of You're still carrying that all around. Your house is still ramshackled and broken down and still needs fixing up. You're not in a relationship with God. That's why these if statements are here. But we are, for those of us who are the followers of Christ, we are indeed, the verse teaches, indwelt by the Spirit of God. And that indwelling came with being saved, coming into this relationship with God. If you aren't indwelt, then you aren't saved. If he's in you, you're in. If he's not in you, you're out. Paul says it again. Let me show you this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And this may be a different verse than in your printed notes, by the way. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And the confusion came when the pastor doesn't do enough study on the verses he writes down in the notes. All right? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, and in 1 Corinthians 6, a little bit later in the level, letter, verse 19, in those two verses, I have 6, 19 in front of you because this is the one I actually wanted to use. In both cases, Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling, the Holy Spirit as the temple. But in the earlier part of the level, letter, here's my confusion, it was talking about the church. And so even as we talk in this series about the Holy Spirit's specific impact in the lives of individual de- believers, please understand this, that when the church gets together, when the church is being the church, this too is the temple of God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit dwells in the midst of his people, plural. Now, back to the verse I really wanted here, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Um, I notice what it says here. Do you not know that your body, singular, talking to you as an individual believer, 
is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. We are the temple, or the, the literal translation of this word in the original language is dwelling place. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see this. You've probably already turned to this verse, but... 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but I want, I want you to see in the greater context here, because we don't just zip these verses out and not understand them in the overall context of where they appear. And in chapter 6 here of 1 Corinthians, Paul's already gone through this kind of lengthy list. He's dealing with sin issues in the, in the church of Corinth, and he goes through this sin list. I got to tell you, I am never comfortable reading these passages of Scripture. I don't know about you. I don't like the sin list because I always find it's going to expose something in my own heart. All right, but here's what he says. This is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not enter in or inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. That one's a scary one because it's not just, it's not just like idol worship in a temple. There's a lot of idols in our lives. A lot of things that we love more than God at certain points in the week. True or false? That's just a lot of things we put before God. That's all that is. Nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy. Greedy. Thinking I want more. I want more. Not happy with what I have. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you, Lord, for what I have. But I wish I had... Greedy? Right? Greedy, we, we, we struggle with this. Does not apply to Thanksgiving dinner, by the way. More turkey, more. It's totally different. Absolved of your sin ahead of time. I have no such power. All right. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, because Paul always has such a way with words to people he's writing to, right? And such were some of you. You pagan sinner people love that but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified your house was swept clean you were renovated from the inside out in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god the greater context here is the purity of the body. And God has indeed swept us clean and made us pure in his sight. But then we have to live with the reality of living that pure life. And that's the pressing I feel of the Holy Spirit in my life. That while I am so elated and so in worship and grateful to him for where he's brought me, I still do want more of him. I want to be pure in his sight. The true child of God who's been made pure, who's been forgiven, who has the Holy Spirit in his life, indwelling them, will have, listen to me now, will have a strong desire to live a pure life. To keep the dwelling place fit for the Holy Spirit. Because any home can be renovated and made to look perfect. And then homeowners, true or false, if you don't keep on the regular maintenance, if you're not cleaning your house regularly, if you're not painting it and changing things and altering it, it will fall apart 
again. And when you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you want to keep the place clean. You want to live for Him. Pursuing purity and holiness because my God is near me. He's, he's in me. And the benefit for us then is this. And this is part of the support of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about here. The Holy Spirit supports me. And when we have the indwelling spirit and we're pursuing purity, if we make good choices and we don't cave into temptation and we're walking in righteousness, that has its own protection all around it. When we choose not to sin, here's the deal, then we don't face the consequences of sin. And some of us here, we have the scar tissue, we have the bad memories, we have the regrets, we deal with guilt and shame and fear over past sin decisions all the time. And all that we could remind ourselves, I don't want to go back there. I I don't want to make that decision again. I don't want to face further consequences. This is the whole deal with older people, those of us with gray hair, calling out to those who are younger to not go down the path. Sinfulness. To make the right decision now and, and to have the protection that comes from having God's Holy Spirit in our lives and making choices that keep our house pure for Him. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit works to support me by indwelling me. My God is near me. And the Spirit also supports me, secondly, by empowering me. My God strengthens me. My God strengthens me. I find it interesting that the the older I get, the longer I go on in this Christian life, the more that I sense my own weakness. The more that I sense my own vulnerability my frailty, how little strength I, a- I actually have and how dependent I am. And this is when it actually works properly when you learn the lessons of, of uh, maturity and of uh, longevity and, and, um, and you surrender to God and you tap into him for the strength that he has because you recognize, I don't, I don't have it. And uh, those of you who have been around Harvest for a number of years will know uh, that we had a difficult season as a church and that was a difficult season for me personally. And as I uh, went through that time some four or five years ago, I mean, I was at a place where I felt I had nothing left to give, that I didn't have any strength in me whatsoever, that I was trapped behind a door that I didn't even have the ability to open in my own strength when tears came very very easily and and i felt even darkness kind of consuming me i was brought to my weakest really the weakest point i had ever been in my entire life i'm grateful that those days were put behind me because my god uh, strengthened me that's my testimony that it didn't come from anywhere else other than God. Otherwise, I would have packed it in. I would have begged it. I, I wouldn't be standing before you today. I give God the glory for how I was able to come out of that time. And as I think about God's power and the verses we're going to look at next, and God empowering me through His Holy Spirit, there really are three very distinctive things we need to hear about God's power. Things that make, them, make God's power distinctive from the kind of power we could bring to it. So the first is this. I think they're going to be up on the screen. His power, first of all, it's inexhaustible. God's power is inexhaustible. 
The part of Paul's prayer for the believers in Ephesus and for us is this. This is Ephesians uh, chapter 3. I know you're writing right now, so I'll turn. Ephesians chapter 3, this is his great prayer that Paul is uh, praying for uh, the believers in Ephesus. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Strengthened with power, that it comes according to the riches of his glory. I mean, our strength wanes. We get tired. It, it ebbs away. We find ourselves, even on a regular basis, with the normal routine of life, we find ourselves getting tapped out. A normal work day uh, can be enough to bring us to the end of it where we need to just kind of flop on the couch and do nothing and rest and get to bed early and wake up the next day and the routine of that week and month after month can be enough to exhaust us. Not counting the extra burdens that come our way that life just throws at us. And so for us, we really are like the automobile and the gas gauge. We go from, from full and that gauge keeps going down and down and down until the needle is on empty. And many of you have felt that. I know that you, you've, you're, the needle's been on empty for you in the past and you felt God strengthen you. Some of you, you're here today and the needle's on empty. You've got nothing. You... Whatever you're going through, I don't know what it is, but you don't have the resources in you to take another step and you don't know how it's going to play out tomorrow and as you get into this week. God fills our tank. God's the one who kind of pours back in to get that needle back up from empty to full. And the remarkable thing about the Lord when he does this is that his reservoir of strength, the riches of his glory that we read about in Ephesians 3, they never get exhausted. He takes out of his vast storehouse of glorious power and pours it into each one of our lives as we need it. And his needle never moves off of full. That's the God we serve, amen? So grateful that God has so much available to us that behind the scenes, His indwelling Holy Spirit is working to sustain us, to fill us, to help us, to support us, no matter what we're facing today. You can call on Him and He will give you His strength, His power, out of His glorious riches and glory. His power is inexhaustible. His power is extraordinary. His power is unlike any, any other power source. It's unique. It's different. It's, I like the word. It's just beyond. It's beyond anything we could ever think or imagine. In fact, that's the verse that came to mind as I was thinking about this. Coming off the prayer in the same chapter, Paul pronounces a benediction or a blessing over the people. He says this in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, Notice, according to the power at work within us. Now, it isn't just that he has incredible, inexhaustible supply and he hoards that and keeps it. it it's not that God is like, 
Well, and I'm going to give you a little bit. I'm going to pour out. Just come on over here to the spigot. I'm going to turn it on for a second, and a little bit trickles out to you. That's not God's thing at all. It's more like a torrent. It's more like a fire hose, more like a fire hydrant that's been opened up onto the street in summertime. And, and that flow that's just gushing, it's more like Niagara Falls. It's this incredible volume of God's power being poured. God's not stingy with it. It comes to us well beyond what we ever think we need, what we could even imagine to ask for. Even if you go, God, just help me meet my need. The need might be enough. Like for us, we might just feel like if I got just a little bit of power, if the needle just moved a little bit, I think I could make it another block or two. Or we think, I, I'm just looking for half a tank. Just, just give me half a tank. And we ask for just, we ask for some. And God's there, he tells us, to give us exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or even imagine. In my wildest dreams, this is the thing that God should do for me. Okay, I'll give you that and more, God says. I'll give you, that's all you could imagine? I've got more for you. His supply is inexhaustible and his generosity is extraordinary. God's never going to leave us lacking and more than that, he's going to give us more than we ever thought possible. And because of this, the followers of Christ should not be those who are just muddling through crisis and trial. The followers of Christ are not, we're not muddlers. We have the power of God in us. His power is extraordinary. Because of that, we ought to be excelling in our ability to make it through trials. We ought to be, listen, the followers of Christ, above all others on the planet, because we serve the God of all gods, because we have the Holy Spirit literally indwelling in us, we are the temple. We ought to be rocking the trials. People ought to be seeing in us something that is extraordinary because we have this extraordinary supply of God's power in our lives. And the strength and the courage and the faith that we display when we are at our weakness, when others think we should be folding up our chair and simply giving up, that's the moment where the power of God, the glory of God shines and people look and say, that's different than what I have. And in, in all of the effort that we're putting in right now to say to people who don't know Christ, hey, uh, hey come and see, come and see our church, come and see what God is doing here. The extraordinary acts of God are seen in the lives of the people who are being changed and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the remarkable thing. That's what's on display. That's what we're telling people to come and see. And so, above all others, our lives should be extraordinary because of this extraordinary power that we have. And then finally this... We can't miss this part. His power is indispensable. Inexhaustible, extraordinary, indispensable. Because his power is not simply about giving us strength to make it through the week to come. It's not just about the trial that you're going through right now. 
And we might be tempted at this point to say that that's what it's really about. It's, it's about, I'm, I'm, I'm in a tough time. I need God's strength for this. But it's more all-encompassing than that, and it actually has a different starting point that we can't miss here, lest we minimize the effect of God's power, lest we make it just about us and our little thing that we're going through. This is about life itself. That's what God's power is about. God's strength helps us get our eyes off the circumstance uh, that weaken us and get us thinking about the eternal God's power helps me to get my eyes off the circumstance and onto the eternal things of Christ. Romans 8, 10 and 11. If Christ is in you, again, pressing you. If he's not in you, these things don't apply to you. If he's in you, this is for you. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, that's the struggle we feel. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The starting point for all of this, as we said last week, is the tomb, the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the power that's available to every one of us for all of these trials, but it starts in that act of saving us. Jesus solved the big problem. The big problem, the big trial, the major obstacle we had in our life was that we were separated from God as a result of our sin, that we didn't have any relationship with the Creator, that we were headed to a Christless eternity without our God. That's the big problem. Without in any way minimizing whatever struggle you're going through today, Next to that big problem of being separated from God, whatever it is, whatever it is, seems a little minor. True? It seems a little minor. My earthbound struggle, my 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 my, my weakness that I'm feeling in this moment cannot compare to the weakness I felt when I was still in my sin. The temporal trial melts in the face of God's Holy Spirit power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and gave us initial life in Christ is the same power that gives us life day by day to take every step and to breathe every breath. His power was indispensable to save us and it remains the means by which we live day by day, the resurrection life. It's indispensable every day of my life. I need to wake up every day and, 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 and pray to my God. I don't have the strength for today. God, would you give me resurrection power today as you gave it to me on the day when I became a follower of Christ would you help me to believe today, to have faith today, to have strength today? To live in a way that would show your glory. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power 
of Christ I stand. Amen? Amen. Now, having said all of that, sometimes all you can do as a believer is just hang on for dear life. I mean, I preach all of what I've just said, and some of you, as Christ followers, are going, I just don't feel that strong. And I've been at times in my life where I felt like I was hanging on by my fingernails. I understand that. You feel like all you're doing is clinging. There's no real sense that you would appear to anyone as being strong, but actually kind of weak. I remember, uh, many of you will know C.J. Mahaney. He's an author, pastor, and he was speaking back in 2008 when I was in the midst of it. It was a pretty difficult time for me. Um, and uh, he, he had spoken at our conference in Chicago. I had never met CJ before. I would have no reason to have a relationship with him beyond the fact that we are brothers in Christ. I had read, I think, only one of his books, but what he said in that session was, was so remarkable and so crazy, and, and it had spoken to me so clearly. Darren, stand up for a minute. And, and, um, and so he's, he's like coming into a room. He's going to speak now to the Harvest Senior Pastors. This is in Chicago. Come stand right here. And, and he, um, so he's coming into the room. And I'm like totally, I'm like busted up. I'm, I'm honestly, I went to that conference. I think I wept through uh, three days of sessions and worship. And I was such a mess. And this poor man who doesn't know me at all, I'm just like a guy. I walked over and go, oh, CJ. I'm just like this. And I'm holding on to this guy. And his handler's right here, right? And I'm just, I'm not done yet. And so he's like, I'm hanging on to him like this. Go ahead, go sit down. And so I'm just like, poor, to this day, I never want to meet CJ Mahaney again. Like, I'm just like, so. But that's where I was at. Have you ever been in that place where you're just like so weak, you can't even control? Like, it's just like, and, um. And I understand that. And, that. and that's what, it's such good news that the Holy Spirit also works to support me. Notice now by comforting me. My God holds me. Because there are going to be times when we are so weak. That that's all we can do is just have, just stay in his arms. Just to have God hold me. Take a look at John chapter 14. John's gospel Uh, John 14 and then John 16 would be the two uh, principal places where Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit. This is like Jesus' top teaching on the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. John 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. He's referring to, who's he referring to? The Holy Spirit here to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now circle that word in your Bible, circle that word helper, highlight it in some way. It's translated in other versions. Um, This word is a, it's a pretty difficult word in the original language actually. And so there's, I've actually found five different translations in English of this one a Greek word, a helper here. Most of the translations go that way. Um, maybe you've heard him called the counselor or the comforter. Um, in other translations, more literal ones, you might even find advocate or encourager. And the reality is that all of these English words capture a component 
of the original Greek word. Maybe you even know the original language, but if you've studied the Bible, it's the word parakletos, or sometimes transliterated in English as the paraclete. And uh, a more literal translation um, would help us to understand this word. It literally means one uh, who is uh, uh, called to one's aid, called to the aid of another person. Um, Or one who comes alongside another person. And it's, this, is the, uh, this is the best meaning of it. And so when you look at all these other meanings of, of counselor, yeah, that's a person who comes alongside, or a comforter, or an encourager, or an advocate. These are all, they, they all come alongside in one sense or another. Helper is probably the most generic of all of the terms, and so that's why it's probably preferred among the more modern translations, because it at least is generic enough, it's broad enough that it's helping in various ways. But it's definitely a helping where I come right alongside you to give you assistance. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing for us. And so I think about all the different pictures I could come up with here, but um, you think of the advocate. This is, uh, you're in a courtroom and you're the... uh, Uh, You're maybe the defendant or the accused and you have a lawyer, an advocate who stands beside you in that courtroom in front of that judge and and you might not even speak at all during an entire trial but the advocate speaks for you and the whole time he's speaking for you, he's standing where? Right beside you. He's come alongside you uh, to support you and to speak on your behalf and to defend you. Or you think about a counselor in a counseling situation where uh, you would sit maybe face to face or side by side in some way or or, uh, the old classic version of you're laying on a couch and and the counselor's sitting beside you and the counselor has come alongside you. Or maybe think about an encourager and think about your favorite coffee shop and you're sitting at a table one-on-one with a person who you're very close to, who you trust, who you can be authentic and transparent and vulnerable with. And, and that person and, and, and you both really mutually are coming alongside each other to build each other up. See, all of these pictures have this sense of coming alongside the injured person on the side of the road where an EMT kneels down or a medical professional comes alongside a bed. It's always the same picture. The one who comes alongside. And I want you to take all of those pictures and wrap it into one and picture the Holy Spirit caring for you in all of the same ways, caring for you when you're wounded, speaking for you in your defense encouraging you and build you up when you need that. That's the Holy Spirit to us, helping us, supporting us in this way that we so desperately need. You can count on the Holy Spirit to be that help and to hold you and you feel like you can't stand any longer to tend to you and to heal you and to care for you when you're flat out. And practically, this happens for us. You might ask the question, like, how does this happen? So how does the Holy Spirit care for me? And really, in a very, um, very real and practical way, it happens right here through the church of Jesus Christ. And if we go back to that verse that I mistakenly put in your notes from 1 Corinthians 3 that now perfectly applies and maybe shows that it wasn't unintentional completely entirely. But God... God helps us to care for one another as the body of Christ. He indwells this body and we care for one another. It's not inappropriate to say that I am through the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of me, that I'm able to care for you, that I'm able to come alongside you, that I'm able to be in relationship with you. 
You could do the same for me. God uses the church. And we're going to talk a lot more about that uncommon community and how the Holy Spirit does that uh, in the church a little bit more next week. We also uh, feel the support of the Holy Spirit when we read His Word, when we study His Word. And how many times do we get the Bible open and it's the right verse at the right time and God's speaking to us and we hear Him speaking and that's just the encouragement we needed or that's just the rebuke we needed to hear? Or we found out something new about our God that just alters kind of our path for that week. And praise God for that. He encourages us. He comes alongside us just in terms of the word. And then he comes alongside us in in worship. And um, I don't know how often you weep or have a tear or feel a shudder in worship. I hope it happens for you. I hope you feel it. I hope you feel the oneness of singing with other people and affirming these common things that we have and hearing God speak to us and being able to speak to him. I hope that that's an experience for you. I hope that it happens not just here, but, but during your week. And again, not to make uh, so much of it, but during my darkest days, um, a worship has been a solace for me. And I have been in the presence of God's Holy Spirit and He has strengthened me in the midst of just listening to worship music. And um, several years ago, one small group, uh, they um, pirated a bunch of songs and put them on a CD for me. So God bless their sin. Um, and they, they, uh, they made this CD and they handed it to me. It was all um, kind of favorite, inspiring, challenging songs from that particular small group. They had all shared and put it all together and given that to me and... And I illegally uploaded it to my iTunes account and made a playlist and added some other songs to it over uh, the weeks. And um, I can't even tell you how many times I went to that playlist on my iPhone or, or on my Mac and just listened to it and allowed those songs to be my voice to God and to be God's voice to me in the midst of a very difficult season. If you're not doing that, I commend that to you. That's the Holy Spirit, His indwelling, encouraging us, comforting us, we can literally feel God's arms around us holding us at times like that. And I know many of you, I see you nodding your heads. You've had the same experience in worship with our God, one-on-one and sometimes in corporate situations. So praise God for that. Finally this, the Spirit works by interceding for me. My God fulfills His will for me. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is praying for you? He's actually praying with you. He's praying on your behalf, taking your prayers and lifting them up before the throne room of God. And I can be perfectly confident that God's plan for me will be perfectly fulfilled because the Holy Spirit is praying, interceding, lifting my prayers to God. God's Holy Spirit intercedes for me. I think about God's will and what I want to accomplish and what I think I ought to be and the things that I pray for and I'm not always sure that those are the best things but I'm praying for them. I think they're the best things but that's the problem with me. Don't be just thinking, yeah, I know Todd has a problem. I want you to be thinking of this for yourself, right? Okay, I have a problem, I get it. You have a problem. And that is that we all live down here. We only have the perspective of what's going on around us. 
We don't have anybody else's perspective as much as we say, I want to try and understand this the way that you understand it. And we listen to the whole thing, then we go, yeah, I still don't get it. It's so hard for us even to understand another person's perspective. Cheryl and I have been married for almost 24 years now, and I think that we're pretty aligned in a lot of the things that we think about, and I can try and see her perspective, but 24 years later, I'm still missing the mark a lot of the time. You're laughing at my marriage or yours? I just want to know. Okay, just checking. And so imagine now the difficulty, because Cheryl and I are at least both human beings born in the same era coming from the same basic back kinds of backgrounds. And so if I have trouble with Cheryl, imagine the problem I have gaining God's perspective on things. And so that's why I need to completely trust that his plan for me is a good plan and it will be perfectly fulfilled because my earthbound perspective limits my view of things. And God's view is unlimited and unhindered. And so as we pray, no matter what we pray, seriously, when we pray, no matter what we pray, God's Holy Spirit takes those prayers that are ascending to the throne room and he conforms those prayers to the will of God. That's what's happening when we pray. The Spirit helps. Check this out. This is Romans chapter 8. Romans eight twenty six and 27. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We don't know what we ought to pray for. I think I know what I ought to pray for. But often my prayers are so selfishly motivated. If it were left to us, we would only and always pray for the smooth path, for an easier life, for a little more money, for health, for really good friends that never bug us. For a family that isn't wacky. We, I say that because it's Thanksgiving weekend and you're all going to hang out with family members that are wacky. And some of you are the family members that are wacky. I hate to break it to you. Okay? We pray. We want an easy life. True? And that's what we pray for. But then we'll also pray things like this. And this is where I go. I rewind back and I go back beyond the four or five years of my own, you know, deep trials. I go back there and I remember praying prayers like this, God, do whatever it takes to make you the man you want me to be. Dumb. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> yeah? Have you prayed prayers like that? Have you prayed prayers like this? God, just increase my faith. God, help me to be more trusting of you. Yes, you've prayed these prayers. They're dangerous prayers. Because they can often conflict, fly in the face of all those other prayers of make it safe, make it better, make me healthier, make it easier. There's a dissonance in the two prayers. They clash with each other. 
But have no fear. Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit takes those silly prayers of ours that don't conform to the will of God and God, in essence, translates them into the heavenly language. Groanings, sighs, too deep for words, stuff we'd never understand, we couldn't put together in a thousand years. The Holy Spirit takes those feeble prayers and lifts them up to the throne of God and by the time they reach the ears of the Father... The Father hears exactly what we're praying and gives us exactly what we need according to His perfect will. And we may not necessarily like it and it may not be our version of good, not in the short term, but ultimately we'll see it. And so, really the lesson for us in all of this is don't worry about what you're praying so much. Don't allow even the notion of I don't know what to pray. Don't even let that stand in your way. I'm afraid I'm going to pray for the wrong thing. Don't let that stand in your way. Just get on your knees and pour your heart out to God. And even if all you have is sighs and groans, God, I don't even know what to pray. Allow that to be enough. Don't let fear of of not being able to pray God's will be the thing that stops you from praying at all. Pour your heart out to God and allow the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside, the one who is our intercessor, to take your prayers and conform them to the will of God. Pour out your heart to Him. Call out to the Father. Call out to Him in Jesus' name. Call out to Him in the power of God's Holy Spirit who indwells you. Maybe you say, like, I, I don't like what it says about me. I don't like being that weak. I don't like to be inarticulate, even with God. But you see, that's the very nature of prayer. It communicates our dependency. As soon as you say, our Father, as soon as you cry out to God in Jesus' name, you're already saying that you don't have what you need. And that dependency is exactly what God is looking for to allow the helper, the one who comes alongside, to fill you and to show his amazing, extraordinary power in your life. And so, it's a good thing that we would even finish this time this morning in prayer. And um, I'm just going to ask you to close your Bibles and set things aside and bow your heads with me. You know, very often as we gather for worship, Jordan would say it, or maybe at times I would even say, you know, let's just come to this place and let's set aside the burdens of the week and let's just focus on worship. And and really, even just saying that, that's a little hard to do at times. It's hard to just set everything aside and enter into worship. And and really what we ought to be saying when, when we come to those times is, bring your burden here. Bring it in. This is the best place for it. And let's lift that burden up before the Lord and and let's uh, get an eternal perspective on all of these things. God wants us to bring our heartaches and our burdens and our hurts to Him. He wants us to bring Him our weakness. In fact, He wants us to come in weakness. And on those days when we come strutting into church and we got it all going on and uh, we're on top of the world, uh, that's the Sunday when we're not going to connect with Him. But to come with great vulnerability to the Lord and say, I don't have what it takes to be here today. 
And making that like every Sunday and bringing those things to the Lord and allowing Him to take them off of our shoulders and to bear that burden with us. That's a better place to be for all of us. So we're going to have a time of prayer right now. The worship team's going to take us back to that song, not for a moment. God hasn't forsaken us at all. Not for a second. And so I'm going to invite small group leaders and flock leaders and our elders and pastors to come on up here to the front. We're going to flood the front with people who are prepared to pray with you. So you come on up right now, leaders. And come and stand up here along the front. There'll be men and women up here who love you. You might be in one of their small groups or in relationship with them in some way. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to care for you this morning. We want to shepherd the flock of God. Now, if we were honest, if we were honest, all of us carried a burden in here today. There's not one of us who, who should say that I don't have anything that I need praying for, that I need prayer for. Maybe it is a burden. Maybe it's an illness you found out about. Maybe it's a loved one who's away from the Lord. Maybe it's someone in your family who's dying that you're concerned about. Maybe it's, maybe it's a wayward, uh, someone who's wayward in their faith. Maybe you're facing a job loss or, or a crushing financial decision. Maybe you just need wisdom for something that's coming up. I don't know what it is. I don't know what burden you're carrying, but there's something. There's a lot of leaders up here. They all have burdens of their own. They're setting those aside for this morning to be able to pray for you. There's more than enough up here to pray for everyone in the room. If that happens, it's going to be chaotic at the front. I'm willing to have that happen. We can be patient with one another. We can take the time. We can make sure we don't leave here today without dealing with the thing that's on our heart that needs prayer, where we would call out to God's Holy Spirit, come alongside me and help me. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the big problem we talked about. That's the thing you need to bring. You need to be in God's Holy Spirit today. He needs to be in you. You need to turn your life over to Him this morning. If you've not done that, now's your chance. Come up to the front and turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Worship team's going to lead us. I'm inviting you for the last time. You can just come. I'm not going to say another thing about it. We're going to have a time of prayer and then we're going to close this morning. You come as we sing. Thanks so much for listening. We pray that today's message was encouraging and challenging. For more info about Harvest Bible Chapel, check us out online at harvestberry.ca. Thanks again, and remember, you are loved.